on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 15th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with TAC Cup girls joint best and fairest Chloe Malloy. We chat with Erin Regan from the Vancouver Vixens. We talk footy in the UK with North London Lions women's coach Kath Dunn. Plus all the latest news on the women's state leagues with Matthew Cox, Aaron Russell and Lauren Hodgson. All that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 15th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And a friendly reminder, you can download this podcast for free anytime by going to iTunes or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy or tune into our weekly program Wednesday evenings about quarter past six on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne. So to our first guest and what a last couple of weeks she's had. Not only is she the joint Best and fairest in the TAC Cup girls competition and a leading goal kicker with 20 goals and the best and fairest for the Calder Cannons TAC Cup girls side. She also is currently leading the Swiss Wellness VFL women's goal kicking table, albeit after the first round. It's great to have on the line Diamond Creek footballer Chloe Malloy. Chloe, thank you very much for joining us. And as we said, what a last couple of weeks you've had. I know it's a bit surreal, but uh, just to start. Well, let's take a step back for a moment before we talk about what's happening with you currently. Where did you first begin your junior footy career? So my junior footy career started at Whittlesey, um, Whittlesey Eagles. And that was so long ago. I started there. I started at kick there, actually. And then I played up until I think I was 12, until I had to choose basketball. How did that decision come about to choose footy or basketball? Was it just a case of, particularly in that area, and we're going back about six years now, that it just wasn't the opportunity for girls between 12 and 18 to play footy? Yes, that's exactly it. So footy, like footy for the women, hadn't, there wasn't any talk of, I guess, a future as such with what we've got now. So it was like, I was so young, but it was a decision, I guess, my parents and me made that... um, to invest money into a sport and if I wanted to play an elite level, I'd I'd want to hopefully make a career out of it. So I had to choose basketball at that time because footy didn't have that pathway. But um, I've returned to football as the AFL women's is now a big thing. And going back to that first phase of your junior footy career, did you have many awards honoured to you uh, in, in under-10s and under-12s, for example? Um, not that I can remember. I, I just... I can remember that I, I, would, I managed to keep up with the boys, but I, I don't know, maybe a few participation awards with uh, Oz Kick in that. But hey, we've all got to start somewhere. And as you <laughs> as you said, in, in, in that six-year period, you took up basketball and became quite sex, successful at it. Uh, you, of course, uh, got uh, signed up to the Melbourne Boomers as a development player, played at Nutterwadding Spectres, uh, the uh, under-20 national titles. And I believe up until as early as uh, January this year, there was talk of uh, heading over to the US. Yeah, so I actually had accepted a scholarship to the US on a full academic scholarship with uh, Virginia Commonwealth. But um, I guess the tables turned and it was a really hard decision for me to make, but I just had to follow my heart and footy was calling my name, so... (laughs) Do you remember that uh, day, that moment where you sat down to try and make the decision of, that's it, I'm, I'm pulling on the footy boots again? Yeah, I, I actually do. I don't think it was a certain day, but I remember there was a phase where I'm like, 
I, I looked on social media and there was um, football everywhere and oh, it just it overwhelmed me with how much like football was in my face and I was just like, man, I used to love that sport. Uh, I'd, I'd go kick with my brother and then there was one day where I was like, you know what, I could actually go play football now. There's a pathway for me. I can make this a career. And I remember I was so nervous to tell mum and dad because obviously the scholarship was a big thing to tell them that I was changing my mind and I guess I was a bit scared. But I don't know, I had to follow my heart with what I wanted to do and I knew footy was going to make me happy. It was tough, but I, you could say I do remember that day that I decided to put the boots back on. You're that, as we call, Auskick generation coming through. And I'm interested to know what were your thoughts, what were your feelings on that opening game that we all now talk about, that Carlton-Collingwood game at Princess Park? Well, I made sure I, I said to mum and dad, I said, I need to get to that game because I, I want to I wanna look back in a few years' time and be like, tell my kids that I remember being at the first ever AFL women's game. And <laughs> that game was, I guess... It was a start of something, and I don't think he could have had a better start to such a historic thing that will be remembered for years to come, that game at Icon Park against Carlton Collingwood. Do you remember your initial training sessions at the Calder Cannon, stepping back into the game after six, seven years off? Yes, I do. I actually uh, I caught the ball to, I guess you could call it a falcon. I, did, I went for, up for a mark. And the ball came straight through my hands and uh, I copped onto the face. So that was my welcome back to football. Uh, I think everyone's just laughing now because they know that even the great players can cop a falcon. <laughs> it just brings back everyone to a level pegging. And, and of course, you got out there, fantastic season, 20 goals uh, that you kicked throughout the TAC Cup girls competition. How would you describe yourself as a forward? Do you see yourself as more kicking the goals on the run, as a lead-up, someone who likes to play deep and plant your feet and go body on body? Um. I mean, I, if I had the opportunity to keep the, the goal on the run, then I'm more than happy to do it. But with I think with the cannons, I was more of a um, a key forward. So I'd start I start a bit deeper, and I'd play my foot. You know, as you said, body on body, and because I was a, a bigger body in that league, I, I had the opportunity to, to use my strength and push against someone and go out for the lead and take the mark and take that set shot. You, of course, uh, split the honours with Bridie Kennedy as joint uh, TAC Cup girls, best and fairest. Uh, you'll be playing against some of these girls, no doubt, in a couple of years' time in the AFLW competition once you all start to graduate through. Who caught your eye personally throughout the competition that you thought, this is a person to worry about, this is a person I think I might be facing for the next 10 years? <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of, um, I guess, competition amongst Cannons. There's one that comes to mind when you mention is Maddie Press Parker. She's a bit younger, but um, I think she's a bit of competition. Not so my position, but I could see myself playing with her in ten years in the AFL. And then also there was a back a backman or a back woman, sorry, from Gippsland, um, Darcy Gutridge, who I think is a strong strong backman who can also go to the mid. And I see a lot of the older girls. Who, who have all these academies, not just um, the TAC Cup academies, but like your, your AFL Women's Academies, who I can all see being um, stars in the AFL Women's in the next 10 years and who I'll 
have a competition against or maybe even be a teammate with. One of your coaches there at the Calder Cannons is uh, Collingwood AFLW star in Alicia Eva. How would you describe her coaching style? Oh, I think she was grass. I just she was assertive when she needed to be, but she could always break that ice with the girls, and she just, I guess, really connected with us and and knew how we were feeling and just how to deal with this and. Like I said, broke the ice before the game. You, you know, you're nervous and you, you're petrified before a game. And I just think she was, as much as she says we're coachable, she was, I guess, the flip side to that and made being coached by her enjoyable and easy and a good way to learn. And as well, having her there, it could have been very easy that she could have gotten a year going, come, come on, let's come to Melbourne Uni you know, and play a season with us. What made this, the eventual decision for you to go, I'm going to play at the Creekers for 2017? Um, well, for me, Diamond Creek's local, so it's only 25 minutes. And there was talk about potentially going to the, to the Muggers, but um, it was just too far with my studies and mm. Diamond Creek... I don't know. I, I heard it was a really good club and a good sense of community and family there. So I thought it's local, it's, it's convenient for me and it's a great club. So it's just easier to go to them. Although it can be expensive with Shay Audley's fine system. You have been warned. Just, <laughs> just, just be aware of that. I've already copped a few fines actually from Shazza. <laughs> and I hate to say after hearing this interview, she might hit you for, up for another one. Look, I probably will cop one. <laughs> She's probably listening and I'm going to... Shazza, I'll pay up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made your debut actually um, one level below the VFLW in the NFLW because they actually started um, a couple of weeks earlier. How did you find that competition? Because for you, on the scoreboard, it seemed to be easy. You put nine majors away. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't. Oh, it was easy in a sense that I guess we'd be training. The NFL squad had been training together for ages, so it wasn't as such easy. But it flowed a lot more, and obviously the scoreboard showed that we had been putting the work in the preseason, and um, those goals were set up for my teammates. And I, I think. That reflects also my work that I put in with my kicking and, and my, my my set shots that I, I do after training. So, yeah, the NFLW was a good, I guess, a good start to to the VFL for me. What was the mood like for you and the entire team going into the opening round of the VFL women's competition? Because you are up against Seaford at their ground. And to put it into context of people, uh, you were the last game of the day. There was four Seaford games before you. So I can imagine there was quite a lot of Seaford women sticking around from the other games wanting to watch. And let's say give some helpful advice from the boundary line, as you do, home ground advantage. Um, they, they had beaten the Creekers there in an upset last year. So it was a bit of a bogey ground. And of course, the Creekers wanted to make a statement after missing finals last year. So what was that mood going into that game? Uh, well, like you said, they, it was home, home, I was going to say home court, a basketball term, home, home ground advantage. And they, we were the last game of the day. So the excitement had already been built and the Div 1 girls had just won the previous game. So I guess for us being like Diamond Creek, coming all that way an hour and a half, um, we had like I guess a, a foot back, and they had the, the the foot forward with the the home ground. But um, I have never been that excited to play a football match in my life. And we had eight 
um, debut players and it just it was <laughs> I can't even describe it. Everyone was just so excited. There was a smile on everyone's face and we were confident going into that game. And um, Scotty said to us at the start of the game, "Don't don't be afraid to make mistakes. This is your first game together." Um, just focus on our structures, focus on your game and just play footy and and hopefully the end score will um, reflect that and it did. You kicked four goals of the game, all of them coming in the first half. When you put your first one through the sticks, what was the feeling? Is it elation that's your first VFLW goal or is it more a sense of relief of, okay, that's the monkey on the back, I, I know I can do this? <laughs> um, it was a bit of both actually. I was like, I was very excited because it was my first goal the Creekers and first go in the VFL and, and also of the match so I was excited then but then you get all your teammates, you jump, you give your high fives and then you get back to your line and I had a sigh of relief, I was like alright, first play out of the way and now, it, it just I guess kicking the goal so I kicked the nerves out of the way, so it was good You'll be going in, you and uh, all the other girls that are 18, going into a very different draft compared to last year. Last year, all the 18s were starting a fresh show, uh, besides the marquees that were announced. Who knows who was going to end up anywhere. Uh, you go into this draft after they do their trade period in a couple of weeks where then we know that there'll be five spots at every side that's got to be filled. And not only that, we'll know, okay, this side needs forwards, this side needs defenders, etc. We know the gaps they've got to fill. How does it feel that you're going to, I guess, have the microscope on you that if we spot two or three sides that need a forward, they'll be saying, oh, you know, that, that's it. It could be Chloe off to GWS or maybe to the Bulldogs. How, how does that feel? Um, I'm trying not to focus too much on it, but of course that's always in the back of your mind because that is, that is your end goal. But um, for me... It's not so much worrying, but I guess for me, I want to make my mark on those players that have already played AFLW in the, in the VFL and um, I guess match myself up against the best backmen and prove that I could, There's yeah, there's only five spots in a team and they may need a forward. I want to prove myself that I'll be that forward for you to whatever team it, it will be. You said earlier that you were studying, and uh, we spoke to uh, Isabel Huntington last year, another star youth girl that hopefully will be drafted for 2018, and we asked her the question, uh, does she see herself being in football full-time? That's playing and being an administrator, coach, whatever it might be. And, and interestingly enough, she said, actually, no, she was studying medicine and she was really interested in that and wanted a career in that. Um, for yourself personally, what are you studying at the moment? And do you, so, do you see yourself being in the football industry as a professional full-time, or are you looking to balance that with a, another career? Um, so I'm actually studying sports media, a Bachelor of Sports Media at Holmes Glen. And um, I'm hoping that actually I could maybe connect that course with AFL Vic. So, yeah, it's a different, um, I guess, field, but it's still in the footy, amongst the footy. So I'm hoping that my studies, I guess, overlap a little bit with my football. And then it allows you to stay in the game full time, always around it. And another thing that we do obviously have to look at for the draft, because this is different, unlike the men's where you nominate for a national draft and that's it, you can pop up anywhere around the country. Um, How it works here, obviously, is you either can nominate for Victoria and you'll be either possibility of four teams uh, picking you up or you nominate for another state. And for example, that team will pick you up if they obviously want you. For yourself, are you sitting down now to start making that decision of, do I want to stay here? Do I want to entertain the options of maybe looking at another state? Um, 
so it, it was brought up with mum and dad about I guess I was sitting at dinner one one night and we're just we're just chatting about um, what teams do have first picks and have high picks and um, GWS came up and um, dad said to me oh how would you think about going to GWS and of course my first initial thought was oh my god that's amazing but then I guess I got to bring myself back down to a level where I'm like well actually I'm studying in Victoria right now it's a a four-year course if I go over there I'm not going to be able to finish off my studies Um, I've got a job here that works around me and my football so I haven't I'm not I'm not sure what I want to do yet um, with interstate or stay in Victoria Um, I guess it's just an ongoing discussion that I'll have with my parents and an ongoing thought that I'll need to have with myself as well one last question before we let you go. Considering that you've been both a basketballer and a footballer, I'm interested to know, do you admire Aaron Phillips more as an Opals basketballer or as an AFLW premiership player in league best and fairest? Uh, I think I just admire as an athlete to be able to, I guess, like you just said, you the highest level of each sport you just named her against. And I just admire her as an athlete. And when she was playing basketball, she was just as awesome as she was on the footy field. <laughs> Do you think it might be a possibility that you could follow in her steps, not only obviously playing AFLW, but could the door still be ajar for basketball? We will see. We will see. I'm pretty content with football right now, but I, get, I was in love with basketball, so I'm not sure. It might come back up. Who knows? The old saying, never say never. <laughs> Chloe, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout the 2017 VFLW season with the Diamond Creek side. Thank you for having me. Now, a number of weeks ago, we talked women's footy in Canada, particularly focusing on the Toronto area, everything that's happening over on the East Coast. It's now time to find out what's happening on the West Coast of Canada with women's footy up there, in particular around British Columbia. And that's why I've got on the line a Vancouver Vixens women's footballer, and she'll also be representing the Canadian Northern Lights at the 2017 AFL International Cup in Melbourne in August. Erin Regan, she joins us on the line. Erin, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And like we ask everyone who didn't grow up in Australia, how did you stumble across Aussie Rules football? Uh, well, my friends uh, played for the Burnaby Eagles, uh, the men's team. Um, but then I found out that there was actually a women's team out in uh, Delta. Um, Mike McFarlane, one of the coaches out there from West Coast Wildcats have always had a strong junior program and as well at working towards getting youth involved and introduced to the sport here in BC and I was thankful that they've run a women's team all this time and they uh, introduced me to the game. And then uh, the Northern Lights section, uh, Marlena Ginocchio, uh, sought out to developing a new team in 2016, which is the uh, Vancouver Vixens to help grow BC Footy and I jumped on board and now BC Footy has two women's teams and uh, now in our second year our Vancouver Vixens team culture is growing and BC Footy is growing and the girls are really committed and been going great. And of course you're playing with the Vixens what's the list like there at the moment how many players have you got signed up to your team? Oh um, in our first year last year we had about uh, 24 girls and this year we've got more or less the same same amount of girls so it's a pretty good start for a second year of a full contact sport 
Yeah, excellent numbers there up in British Columbia. And, and what's the structure like there of the lead? Because I believe Seattle Grizzlies also playing some games against you. Uh, are you playing more nine-a-side football? How, how's that work up there? Yeah, I think um, last week... Well, last week Seattle Grizzlies came up and we had 11 aside, which was pretty good. Um, and, you know, we've got some games where we'll travel with Seattle to Portland for some games. Um, so, yeah, we, we typically play 11, 12 aside, which is what we aim for. Um, West Coast Wildcats will sometimes come over with us and we'll either play against them or mix the teams as well for another kind of 12 side game. And what's the typical roster there like? How often are you actually getting out there to be able to play competitive matches? So we play games every two weekends, and um, the, we've paired it up nicely with the men's league as well. So every about every second Saturday, we'll play there'll be three men's games, competitive matches, and then one women's game, and. And like like we talked about that, so we mix the Seattle or the West Coast Wildcats and the Vancouver Vixens. Now, of course, you're part of the uh, program that's got two Canadian sides, the Northern Lights, of course, going to uh, IC17 in Melbourne, uh, the Midnight Suns travelling to London to take part in the London Footy Carnival. Um, how did you score your invite, and what did you first uh, feel like when you were part of this national training program? So, um, I, Marlena Ginocchio, uh, uh, again, the girl I talked about earlier, um, who's played for the Lights before, she had kind of suggested to me, you know, this opportunities here um, for uh, girls in Canada. Um, you know, you've got a good sports background. You should come and try out for the Northern Lights team. And she just kind of explained what it looked like um, each year in June, we have the Kelowna Cup where Calgary, Alberta, Vancouver, and Edmonton as well, we all play against each other um, in Kelowna. And the Canadian coach, Jason, comes down and um, he kind of talks to all the girls each year about what it would look like if you if you try out for Team Canada. So um, me and some teammates just worked really hard throughout the summer and last September we went to Toronto and we tried out for the um, the team and it's really exciting. I've been playing footy for uh, four years now um, but this is the most representation the um, BC women have had on both of the national level teams. Between the Midnight Suns and the Northern Lights we've got um, eight players from BC so it's really exciting. That is fantastic to hear. Um, for yourself personally, what does it mean to be named in the number one team, in the Northern Lights team, that's not only heading down to Melbourne to play in the championship, the International Cup, but you are the reigning champions. You are defending the title. Yes, we are. Um, I was very, very excited and honoured to be um, part of, to be called as part of the Northern Lights team. So I've been working really hard all year with... Um, my, my teammates that are close by and um, some people from the men's team as well. Uh, we've been working hard on our running, our, our skills, and um, lots of fitness and strength training. Um, so uh, the, we have a camp coming up in um, this weekend in Calgary. 
Um, this is where uh, Jason Arnold and his uh, coaching staff have organized training camps for Midnight Suns and our Northern Lights teams. And uh, we've had about eight months of preparation for this moment. So I'm excited to see everyone's hard work and progress, um, particularly in the fitness and skills. Um, so uh, the composition of the camp will be three kilometer time trials, kicking tests, discussing our game plans, and then we get out onto the pitch to transfer plans into movement. Um, we might have a knowledge test as well on the thorough players guide created by our coaching staff. And it's all about the foundations of how we will play our game at IC17 uh, with a team-first mentality and with integrity and hunger and intensity. Um, I'm quite happy uh, as a new player that um, Jason Arnold and the coaching staff have created that um, player's guide. So for a new player, it's really helpful so I know kind of what the game plan is. Um, so, uh, and and as a new player on the Lights team, uh, you know, as a rookie, it was very easy to spot the tenacity, commitment, and passion on our team. So even though we're, yes, we're, uh, we will be defending our title this year, and, and for that reason, there's been no easy breathing for us this year. So we're the hunted, and we're ready to fight, and we're ready to defend our championship title. You mentioned earlier that you played other sports. What sports did you play, and how would you describe yourself as a footballer? Um, well, I actually started off figure skating for about 17 years, and then uh, transferred into rugby, and um, just wanted to change it up a bit, and then uh, then got into footy. Um, I would say my style right now is still um, with a lot of rugby inspiration. Uh, I So transferring, in, even though the sports sometimes look like they have similarities, they're actually quite different in the way that you tackle and move the ball. So um, as a footy player, I'd say that I look like a rugby player transferring into a footy player. <laughs> and I need to ask the question, well, what have you found is, I guess, the toughest thing to master so so far in Aussie rules? Well, there's two. <laughs> um, I would say that when you're running, the part that's hard is uh, how the tackling is different. So, like, if I find the tackler, for example, um, you know, as soon as they get rid of the ball, you cannot, you should not finish your tackle. you got to let you know, let go and play on right away, whereas rugby typically finish your tackle. And um, if, if you've got possession of the ball, um, it's so that, that tackling piece, so um, disposing of the ball as soon as you're in contact as opposed to trying to just run through like you can with rugby. Now, as you mentioned, the squads have got a camp uh, coming up, uh, particularly for the uh, Northern Lights, um, and then it's only just uh, two and a bit to three months to go until IC17 in Melbourne. Between that camp and then, what's your plan to try and obviously keep fit, keep focused, and then uh, when do you expect to head into Melbourne for the uh, for the Carnival for the Championships? So for the next few months here, it's going to come up pretty quick, I think. Um, I'm going to keep training with my BC squad. Um, Adam Kelly, the Northwind assistant coach, has been invaluable to both our women's and men's club at the national level teams. Uh, 
throughout the week he works with us in small and large groups, uh, probably up to about three times a week. Uh, he's always ready to provide constructive feedback, encourage boys on the field, and uh, he's got an incredible knowledge of the game. So he's been a great tool to have. Um, some other things that you know is really important for myself and my teammates to work on over the next few months isn't just the, the fitness and skills, but it's also managing recovery um, time with other demands that well, with managing recovery time with the cardio strength and skills is the, the balance that we all need to uh, be mindful of. Um, it's exciting, too, that, you know, the season here has started. We're two games into our club footy, so now um, me and my teammates, the white teammates that, you know, we've been training for the last eight months, now we get to put that into our um, into gameplay uh, with our club teams for the next three months before we leave for uh, Melbourne. And Melbourne will leave. We're heading up there for July 30th. We're all going to meet there and train together as a team for a week before the tournament begins. And, of course, everyone's looking forward to that kicking off on August 5th. And what do you feel personally about that announcement that uh, on Saturday, August 19th, that obviously the top two teams that play off for the grand final will be playing on Etihad Stadium before an AFL match? Oh, it's incredibly exciting. I, I reckon the, um, the, the, the feeling when you play there and the, it's, it's going to bring a whole other level of excitement um, as you play. So that's very exciting. And finally, before we let you go, has there been much talk uh, amongst the BC women about the AFLW competition that was played through February and March, and how much of it did you manage to catch? Well, I've got to admit, I was a big fan of uh, the Adelaide team, so I mostly watched around them. Um, You know, we were so lucky that that came on, or for me personally, it was such a bonus for me that that started this year. Um, because those ladies are a force and it's great to learn through them. Well, Erin, thank you very much for joining us here on the Girls Play Footy program and we uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in Melbourne in August when you run around for the Canadian Northern Lights. Great. Okay, thank you so much. Now, not only have we been focusing on women's footy in North America, we've also been having a look what's happening in Europe, chatting to teams in Sweden, France, Ireland and, of course, the UK from Scotland Nottingham all the way down to London, where, of course, there's the very popular AFL London Women's League, which had its opening round last weekend. And that's why I've got on the line the coach of the North London Lionesses, Kath Dunn. Kath, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Really good, thanks, Peter. So so good to be on. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. We've been talking about the AFL London Women's Competition and uh, many of the sides taking part. Round one just got underway. But before we talk about your good news from round one, let's first of all find out how did the North London Lions first begin? Yeah, well, the North London Lions, the club itself has been around for about 27 years now. Um, but the women's team started back in 2015. Um, it was started by a few Australian and New Zealand girls and by our club president, Jay. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been all on the up since then. Indeed, of course, your first year in 2015. An improvement last year as well, making the grand final. Yeah, last year last year was really good. So started in 2015, we had a few girls um, on the list, and then yeah, 2016 we got got much bigger numbers, and yeah, made it into the grand final, which was really awesome. Obviously, the highlight 
um, for the women's team and, and, yeah, hoping to go one better this year. And of course, for yourself, Kath, you're an Aussie. How did you end up in the UK? Um, so I moved over about, oh, it's about three and a half years ago now. Um, and just, yeah, came over, I think, like lots of Australians do, to, to come and travel Europe. And, yeah, ended up finding finding myself at the North London Lions and um, haven't looked back since. And like we ask every Aussie that finds an Aussie rules club overseas, how did the conversation begin that you would end up not only obviously playing with the Lions, but now obviously coaching the women's side? Yeah, I'm, I'm, and obviously I'm, I'm very lucky to be to be where I am and to be asked to coach um, such a great group of girls. I'm yeah, I'm very lucky and very grateful. So I, I think I found the club about a year ago, um, and just from from looking online when I first moved over, I played for um, a Gaelic football team. Um, and then when I found out about the AFL Women's League, I um, yeah, obviously jumped ship and, and found the Lions and, like I said, haven't looked back since. Um, and last year, I unfortunately got injured in, in the semi-final, I think it was. And and this year, um, a few months ago now, I'm, like I said, very lucky. I um, was asked to, to coach the girls and, yeah, it's, it's a huge privilege for me because, as I say, they're such a, a great group of girls and it's such an amazing club um, to be a part of. So, yeah, have a look back. <laughs> did you play Aussie Rules yourself back in Australia or uh, did you, like with some women, uh, like Kate Sheila, for example, who end up playing AFLW, just stumble across the game while in the UK? I um, No, so I, I did start playing back at home in Oz. Um, when I was oh, 15, I think I started playing. Um, and, yeah, playing in school and then I joined... Um, AFLQ. Um, I played in their women's league back in or oh, years ago now. That must have been 2006, I think. Um, and yeah, and then sort of uh, yeah, I've kept playing since then. So it's been a good 11 years. Excellent that you've had such a great career in football and being able to pass on that knowledge. And, of course, as we've said, over your off-season, we've had AFLW start up. You've had the tryout and taster session as well for the AFL London League. Uh, out of that, how many girls um, did you manage to pick up for the Lionesses? Um, I'm not sure on numbers exactly, Peter, but this year alone we've had huge, huge um, amounts of new girls come through, which is so awesome. It's, it's, I mean, that's the, the whole point of it really is to get more girls um, playing football and like we have seen at home with the AFLW starting and we've had just huge numbers start up this year um, and, and it's so good, it's just so good to get girls out there playing the game um, I think talking numbers um, I mean for, to give an example on the weekend we played um, when we played we probably all but five girls um, played their first game for the club so yeah lots of new girls out there which is so good and so good for the game over here that is absolutely fantastic and, and you're finding that the majority of Australians are you getting a good mix of girls from the UK and even other parts of Europe I guess yeah so that's that's really really important for us um, and a lot of girls sort of make the comment that there are lots of Australian girls in the team but we've also got like a, a huge mix from, from the US from Canada from the UK um we have quite strong ties with um, the Nottingham Scorpion girls, and I know you've spoken to some of those before. Um, and yeah, and just just getting more girls involved um, from the UK and, and some in Europe as well, which is really great to see. Let's talk about your pre-season as well. A little bit of travelling. Uh, you played a game over in Paris, and then obviously a game up in Nottingham. 
Yeah, really good. We're, we're so lucky. Um, we've got a really, really great um, team manager over here, Pip Gibbons, who, who like myself, played um, back at home, back in Brisbane. Um, and Pip was sadly injured, like myself, um, in last season. So she's, she's stepped up and is managing the team this year. And she's done an excellent job in, in getting those trips organised. We also did a trip to... Um, to Birmingham in, in February, um, which was really awesome and so good, obviously, for the girls who haven't played before to be able to get out there and, and see what the game's all about, which is, um, you know, really good. And, of course, round one came around. You took on the South East London Giants. The great thing as well, the game was uh, streamed, and I can tell people if you go on uh, YouTube and search Bar TV Sports, you can actually see the replay of the Lions versus the Giants. And uh, for you, a comfortable victory in the end to get your first four points on the board. Yeah, obviously it was, it was a great start and, and a huge well done to the girls. They did really well. Like I say, it was probably the first time that our, our main team has, has played together as a team. So to, so to see them out there um, playing together for the first time, um, it was really, really good and such a great start. And um, a big shout out to the Giants as well. Um, firstly, their team, absolutely awesome. I think the level of football um, has definitely stepped up from last year and it's it's actually really great football to watch, so it's really exciting for the season to come. And also, um, secondly, yeah, well done to the Giants for, for being able to get the, the game streamed. That was really, really great. So, yeah, really good stuff out there. Uh, in your point of view as coach, who do you thought performed well? Um, so, so a few of our, our girls, we had a really strong half-forward line um, and the mids and <clears throat> did work really well together. And like I say, a few of those girls are from Nottingham. So, um, I mean, to get those girls down here and try and get them as involved in the team as much as we can while we can't train together, um, I think they did really, really well. And, and the whole team did really well just to gel together and work as a team. And it was those sort of those team things that really helped us out um, in the game. Like our, our shepherding and our second and third efforts were, were absolutely standout. And, of course, that resulted in that big victory. And for those players that have been playing well, are you, uh, are you hoping for representative honours? Because not only, obviously, the GB Swan side that will be playing in the footy carnival coming up and IC17, but I believe for some girls as well, uh, the possibility to qualify, qualify pardon me, for the London All-Stars. Yes, yeah, so obviously we do have quite a few of those Nottingham girls um, in the GB team um, for the International Cup this year, which is so exciting. But, but also, yeah, we do have some really, really good players. Like I said, um, most of our team are new players, and to see the skills develop over the last you know few months in pre-season is, is so amazing, um, so promising for the game over here. But we've also got um, a handful of players who uh, sort of have played in the past, and they've they've come back and I think that, that's full credit to the AFLW starting and that's, it's really exciting and I think we've got quite a few players that will that will be up for, for selection in that team. And what's the excitement like about in the competition um, coming off the back of AFLW? Has it just given that extra bit of inspiration? As you said, the, the, the play's gotten better. Has it, has it meant an extra level of professionalism when it comes to training and putting a side out in the park? Yeah, 100%, Peter. It's so exciting to, to see what the AFLW has done, you know, all the way over the other side of the world. And I know not just in the UK and other places as well. Um, absolutely. The level of professionalism and, and this is a, you know, a serious competition now. It's, it's so exciting and so good to see. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely stepped up. So um, good things to come this year, I think.
And I guess plenty of excitement about, as we alluded to earlier, you've got coming up in a couple of weekends the uh, London Footy Carnival, where we said the London All-Stars, GB Swans, but also uh, Ireland and uh, Canada's development side also coming over. Yeah, so I think we've got we might have a, a couple of girls playing, um, obviously uh, in those teams, um, and yeah, really really exciting. I think we'll all get along. We're um, a good supportive club, um, both the men's and women's teams, and I think we'll be out there watching and and getting behind um, not only our our girls who are out there, but um, the rest of them representing. So yeah, it's really exciting. Can't wait. Uh, just quickly, what are the numbers like with your squad, and do you have room for more? Oh, there's always room for more, Peter. <laughs> we're a, we're a very welcoming club, and I can't I can't say um, speak highly enough of, of the North London Lions and and the men's team and the President Jay and and what they've done for women's football, and they're really supportive of us. Um, for the first time ever, we're we're having to make selections. So I think for the weekend we had about 33 to 35 girls who were available to play, um, and we could only list 24. Um, but yeah, I think we've got about 50, 50 on the team list. But as I say, always room for more. We're always recruiting, and yeah, we we want to get as many people down and playing playing the game as possible. Fantastic, and of course, if anyone has got any friends over in London, or of course they're doing the backpacking thing and heading over there shortly, how can they get in contact with the North London Lions? Yes, I think the easiest way to do it um, is to jump on jump on Facebook or, or Google us. Um, we're out there and, and just send us a message on Facebook. Um, there's an email address on our website as well, um, and someone someone will be in touch um, straight away. We get new girls down every week, so we love to see it. It's really really great. Well, Kat, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2017 AFL London Women's League. Thank you so much, Peter, and, and thank you for all that you're doing for AFL, um, for women in the sport. It's, it's really, really good. Time to check out what's happening in the women's state leagues all around the country. Let's first of all start across in WA, where it was round five of the WAWFL, and South Fremantle went whack on the East Perth Royals. 27-23, 185 to East Perth, no score. Coastal Titans, 8-14-62, defeated East Fremantle, 5-1-31. Claremont, 11-5-71 did a number on West Perth 5535 and Swan Districts 71557 defeated the Peel Thunderbirds 6238 with the Perth Angels having the bye. So it's Mother's Day mayhem for round six in the WAWFL. Swan Districts having the bye all games Sunday 2pm. Claremont host East Perth at Altone Park. South Fremantle hosts West Perth at Anning Park. The Peel Thunderbirds hosting the Coastal Titans at Bendigo Bank Stadium and East Fremantle hosting the Perth Angels at East Fremantle Oval. Time to focus now on the Bond University QWAFL, and that's why I've got on the line Queensland footy guru in Aaron Russell. Aaron, thanks very much for joining us. Let's first of all have a look at last week's results, and boy, did uh, Cooper Roo get the better of the Zilmeri Eagles. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zilmeri will, will have a tough year ahead um, this year, and a few of the ex ex Zilmere girls were at Cooper as well, and, and played pretty well that game. So um, Cooper are plodding along along nicely. A lot, lot of lot of lot of new 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 girls at Cooper. I'd say they'll take quite a while to gel this year, uh, but they've definitely got a very very capable list. Uh, Wuchner getting on the board. Uh, I think that's her second game for the club. Her first win for the Corporu Kings, uh, kicking four. Yeah, she she was uh, she was handy, and I think she'll have days like that. I know. Um, previous game, they they tried to use her a lot through the midfield, 
um, played her a little bit more of a permanent small forward role this this week, and you know, obviously um, you know in a game where there was a big score difference. But yeah, she's I think she's finding her feet, and personally, Pete, I'd probably be playing her as a permanent small forward as well, um, as opposed to more, more less midfield time, more forward time. And, I think that's what they did on the weekend. Amongst the best players, Spence, Crack, Giddies, and uh, Ali Anderson. Yes, yeah. So uh, Ali's uh, uh, coming from Zilmere, and, and she, she'll be a, a very handy inclusion there. Um, Spence, I think they're, they're, she's starting to play that small lockdown uh, defender, rebounding defender role, which I think is suiting her quite well. Um, and yeah, Ali will be a very handy inclusion in that midfield, especially once Zilks gets up and running again. And um, I think I think Cooper could could be a side to be reckoned with if they gel at the right time of the year. And I guess we should also point out, to be fair, for the Zilmiri Eagles, they just managed to fill the 18. They didn't actually have a bench to work with in this game. Yeah, so they're a bit, bit short on numbers. I think they actually. Um, I have borrowed some some numbers from Yoronga as well, who uh, who had the buy on the weekend, um, just to help fill the ranks there. Let's have a look at another game. Uh, in the end, it was a 29-point win, but it was actually rather close for three quarters. Kulangata, 7-8-50, defeating Maruchidor, 3-3-21. Yeah, it was, actually. So, um, again, I think we sort of predicted it a couple of weeks ago. Cooley, we're, we're going to get off to a, a slower start to the year um, and, and find their straps. So I, I, I'm really feeling uh, it's obviously quite... Um, I think it's you're becoming quite obvious that, that Yoronga are the, the team to beat. Um, you know, not, probably quite a few would have picked that. Um, was 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 probably fairly easy to determine quite early on. Um, and, you know, clearly have the side to do it. Um, but yeah, they're they're going to definitely uh, take a while to find their feet. And uh, but yeah, I, I Maruch Shaw led well by Shannon Campbell, uh, who, as you know, was the Lions' fullback. Um, for, for the season just gone, had a really good game, and, and she'll be, you know, she'll be a very consistent performer for them throughout the year, and, and um, you know, be be a reason why they why they might get a, a snag a few wins here and there. I reckon that's going to be a positive sign for the Roos coming up to the QWAFL, and at three quarter time being within eight points of the reigning premiers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, you look at the team sheet and. Cooley um, uh, had uh, seven, I think, seven players um, that were first-time players for first-year players for the club this year. Um, well, those, those seven were basically all new to the sport as well. Um, so when you look at it like that, obviously, it's going to take a little while for those, those girls to gel. But they still had definitely a lot of talent. You look at the list there, and a lot of those girls um, that played on the weekend for Cooley were a, a very, very strong and consistent performance. So, Sexton, yeah, Kasler, Roberts, for example. Yeah, de- definitely Roberts, um, Kasler, who again, obviously, been she, who knows when she'll ever slow down. She's just bullocks along, never stops. Um, fierce competitor, consistent. So, yeah, they're, they're, and, and, and a few of the young girls played as well on the weekend. Coming to Howarth and Ruby Blair. Um, still a few more to come back in, but they had very, they'd, you know, some really quality names. Um, top twelve. Yeah, that list. So, Richard can definitely take some confidence out of that being, being so close um, for most of the match. Absolutely. And possibly the closest game of the round, University of Queensland, uh, 6 12 48, defeating Wilston Grange 5 1 31. Yeah, so Wilson coming off the back of a really 
a handy win, um, and and I guess you definitely an upset win last week against Cool and Gatta. So, um, you know, Wilson would have gone into this game full of confidence. Um, definitely full of a lot of belief. Um, UQ coming off the back of a of a, a strong, a heavy loss to uh, Yoronga. Um, got a few players back. Wilson missing Kate Lutkin, so that probably evened up the score. And, and Kate had a um, you know a, a best on ground performance against Cooley the week before, so obviously lost a bit in her. Um, but yeah, I actually probably expected this one to be a little bit closer than it was. Um, to be honest, I, I was I was tipping Wilson um, to come away the win, even without Lutkins, who's obviously an important player for them. But BQ is starting to probably do do the right things, and um, yeah, I, I really feel on paper UQ, uh, you know, at, at their best, um, Cooper at their best, and uh, Cooley at their best with their best sides, um, barring injuries, do have have a list to, to take up to Yuronga, and it's just a matter of whether they can. Um, make their, make these make them combine at the right time and um, make it happen. So that, that's really, I think, going to be the tale for the most of the season. And one thing to take away from that game, UQ's best player being their Melbourne Uni recruit, Nicole Hildebrand. Oh, yeah, sen- sensational. Um, re- really handy. So, yeah, I, I think they tried, tried a few interesting things with her um, prior. Um, and there was talk of playing her through the middle and I think she'd probably go more traditional um roll down back and she was a tower in defence on on the weekend. So um, you know, doing what she does best, mate. <laughs> uh, you need constant rebounds, um, outside of outside defensive fifty, defensive half. So very when probably could have been a totally different tale had she not have played on the weekend. Let's have a look at round six, and we kick off with Friday night football. Kupuru, Giffen Park, 7.30 p.m. The Kupuru Kings hosting the UQ Red Lions. Yeah, this will be, be, I would predict, uh, probably match of the round. Um, I'm actually going with uh, Kupuru uh, on this one. Um, I definitely think... Uh, that it's going to be it, it's going to be a good game. Um, definitely be down there watching that one. It, it is hard to say, Peter, but uh, I definitely think there'll be there'll be people siding with uh, UQ on this one. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely tipping uh, Cooper to to get over the line uh, in, in a close one. Saturday, 4:45 p.m. Maroochydore Oval and the Roos host the Gorillas. Yeah, so this probably uh, again it gives a. Gives Maroochydore a really good look at where they sit and where they match up with the competition. So, um, I, personally, I'm, I'm tipping Wilson uh, in this game. I think um, you know they'll still be confident enough knocking off Cooley, and they they would still believe that they could have got the job done on the weekend. Just gone uh, and buy rights to. Um, I think it'll be it'll be a close game. Shannon Campbell used to play at Wilson as well, so uh, there'll be you know that that'll make things interesting. Um, she'll want to perform well against her, her old club. Um, and and Murray always always yeah always set for the challenge. So I think it'll be it'll be a good game, but I'd say Wilson will, Wilson will come away with the win there. And finally, the Zilmiri Eagles hosting Yoronga South Brisbane at 4:45 p.m. at O'Callaghan Park. Yeah, look, I mean it goes without saying there. Um, you know, Zilmiri are going to um, be up against it <laughs> uh, to say to say the least there on the weekend. So it'll be, be interesting to see. Uh, what Yuronga use this as an opportunity for? Uh, you know, will they try and um, blood some younger players? Will they, um, you know, give some of their stars a rest? Some of their Lions girls a rest might be a good opportunity to do something like that. 
Um, you know, knowing knowing you're wrong, but they probably won't use as an opportunity to do so. Um, and it could could end up with a with, with quite an ugly school line. But um, yeah, I'd say you're tipping your wrong in a in a big one. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We look forward to catching up with you soon to discuss more QWAFL. No worries. Thanks for having me again, Peter. Time to take a look back at round four of the UNSW Canberra Women's League. It was the East Lake Demons 5-9-39, defeating the Riverina Lions 1-3-9. Quimbian Tigers 9-7-61, defeated the Tuggeranong Hawks 3-4-22. Ainsley Tricolors 6-10-46, getting the better of the Malongolo Juggernauts 2 straight 12. And the Gangalan Jets 11-17-83, defeating the ANU Griffins no score. Volcano Magpies having the bye for the round. So round five of footy kicks off Friday night, 12th of May, and it is at Gungalan Closed Oval where the Gungalan Jets host the Mongolo Juggernauts, 7 p.m. bounce down this Friday night. Saturday, 9.30, the Eastlake Demons host the Ainsley Tricolors at UNSW Canberra Oval. 10 o'clock Saturday, Balconan Magpies hosting ANU Griffins at Girilang 201. 10 o'clock Saturday at Mar Oval, the Riverina Lions hosting the Quimbian Tigers. And at 12 p.m. on Saturday, Sunday at Sterling 101, the Tuggeranong Hawks hosting the Kuta Mundra Blues. That's how it's looking in the AFL Canberra competition. Let's head up to Sydney and the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. I've got Lauren Hodgson on the line. And Lauren, a couple of interesting results last weekend. Yeah, look, a couple of surprising results. Um, the round kicked off with UTS hosting Southern Power Um at Trumpet Park on the club's Ladies' Day, which is always a great event on the uh, AFL Sydney calendar. And it was perhaps a surprising result. Uh, UTS ran out victors 80 to Powers 32. Powers started the game off fairly strongly. It was a five-goal one first quarter, but only managed to kick one point for the remainder of the game. Uh, the Shamrocks had a blistering second quarter, kicking six goals. Uh, Bean uh, kicked four. Garrity kicked three for the Shamrocks, and they were really dominant up forward and were key to getting the team's first win of the year there, Peter. And first win for them in the uh, AFL Sydney Premier Division. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, won the Division 1 Premiership last year. So as you said, it's their first season uh, in the Premier Division. And uh, they've come close a couple of times to wins, but uh, certainly um, hammered home the victory on Saturday. The Stingrays made a statement against the Western Wolves. Yeah, they certainly did. I mean, the score was 122 to 0. Um, the Stingrays definitely bounced back from their... Uh, you know, final minute loss to the Sydney Bombers last week with that resounding 20-goal win over the Western Wolves. Um, well, the goals were fairly evenly shared for the Stingrays, um, whilst Freckleton, Fortner and Ekman were again named in the best for the Wolves. Into the next game, and the Giants certainly weren't any pushovers. They did take it up for a while to the Bombers. Yeah, look, it was a fairly competitive game. I mean, look, the scoreline doesn't always indicate that as... All, uh, all footy followers would know. So Sydney Uni um, beat Auburn 58-13, to 13, but it really was another uh, strong showing from the, uh, Sydney Uni with a 45-point win over the Giants. But as I said, Auburn um, were competitive right throughout the match. Uh, for the Bombers, Sutcliffe and Stack kicked two each, whilst Camoon kicked the Giants' only goal for the day. And Mac, winner, me, Mac University, the other winners in this round. 
Let's go across now and uh, focus on uh, round six of AFL women's footy. Also as well, UTS Shamrocks hosting the Sting Race at, at uh, 2 o'clock at Trumper Park. Yeah, so look, I, the, the uh, Shamrocks would be riding high from their win against the Power. Uh, but look, I, I think the Sting Race are definitely expected to uh, show why they're the premiership favourites along with Sydney Uni uh, by having a strong win over the Shamrocks. And I'll go as far as predicting this will be the closest game of the round, 2.30pm at Grey Gums Oval. Yeah, look, I think this is going to be a ripper of a game. Um, the Giants have been play, playing well over the first five weeks. Um, and, and the Wolves have, uh, you know, ha- haven't had a, a good last couple of rounds with some uh, big losses on their side. I'm tipping it'll be a close contest, uh, but I think the Giants will uh, get over the line in this one. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We look forward to catching up with you next week for more AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Looking forward to it, Peter. Time now to take a look at the Tasmanian State League women's competition. It was round two, and on Saturday, Glen Orkey, 8-9-57, getting the better of the Tigers, 1-2-8. Well, on the Sunday, Clarence, 10-7-67, defeated the reigning premiers, the Bernie Dockers, 2-3-15. Launceston having the bye. No footy this week in the TSLW over the Mother's Day weekend. They will return on the 20th of May. Time to head back to Victoria and find out what happened in round one of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. We were there on Saturday to call the grand final rematch between Darabin and Melbourne Uni. I've got Matthew Cox on the line and Coxie. Uh, we should say at quarter time the score was nil all simply because the rain just kept coming down for the 20 minutes or so of that first term. And once the sun broke through, so did the muggers and they started to run away with the game. Yeah, they really... They look switched on. Three goals, one in the, the second term to just the minor score. And Darabin only got the, their only goal came in that third term, which I think we said during the call on Saturday, there's not many occasions the senior Darabin side would have only scored one goal in a game in their history. So a little bit of a different Falcons lineup, though. They had a lot of stars missing. Obviously, the big names, Pierce, Arnell, they, they went down with an injury early on as well. So that probably disrupted a few things. Um, but it just wasn't the, the sharp and clean and skillful Darabin that we've become used to. And the Muggers, whilst not a comprehensive victory, despite what the scoreboard suggests, it's a good one to get a bit of confidence for the season. And now they've got that uh, little bit of a mental edge over the top of uh, their arch rivals. 
And to come out of that, as Nick Nicropontis uh, reported in the Preston Leader, as you alluded to, one entry for Darabin that was the big one to Sarah Hammond. We know it's a knee. We don't know how serious it is yet. Obviously, fingers crossed that it's just a knock or something like that. And let's just hope it's the best case scenario that she's out there sooner rather than later. On Melbourne Uni side of the equation, uh, Nicholas Stevens with a hamstring and reported a leg injury for Hannah Ibrahim. Yeah, a couple of concerns and obviously not great when you those players that you speak of there are some of the more experienced members of both lineups that probably didn't get as much. Well, Stephen's got a lot of game time in the AFLW, but the other two were probably going to be looked on to take a bit more responsibility in 2017. So have them going down. For the Muggers side of things, you, you hope that's only a couple of weeks. But um, for uh, Hammond, geez, it doesn't look too good because uh, we saw the incident. It was a, a weird incident. She was at the bottom of a pack and it looked like she just got twisted. So fingers crossed it's not bad, but it's not looking great for her. And we should point out as well that Kaney Brennan came back from entry, had 19 disposals, named in the best for Darabin. We didn't think she set the world on fire. We thought Bailey Hunt contained her fairly well. But we should point out again, her first game back from injury, and I guess the, the aim of the game for Coach Jane Lang was let's just get some miles into the legs for Katie. And a different role for her too, playing a more midfield role where we've come or become accustomed to her playing around the top of the 50 arc or, or deep inside 50. So completely different role. You'd probably expect her to play out of the goal square coming back from injury, but she was thrown straight into the, the thick of things. And as you say, her opponent, Hunt, uh, an improved player for the Muggers. And it's going to be an interesting one throughout the season because between her and Alex Saundry, I think they're the only two pillars that are holding up the Muggers' defence um, considering they've lost the likes of Hildebrand and, and Goring. So it be interesting to see what their makeup in Defensive 50 looks like uh, throughout the season for the Muggers. But uh, Brennan, yep, she, she did do a good job. Um, was there or thereabouts, as you said, not, not the best player on the park, but I think she fulfilled the role that she was asked to do. Let's have a look at some of the other games. Uh, the VU Western Spurs, 8-11-59, getting the job done over Cranbourne, 2 one yeah, a result that we probably expected. Maybe a, could have been a little bit closer. We know Cranbourne, um, obviously another year uh, under their belt in the in the elite competitions going to help them. But the Spurs seem to have developed again, um, considering where they were two or three years ago. It's remarkable the position that they're in. But great uh, for them. And when you have a look at their goal kickers list, uh, they're all single goal kickers, which goes to show that uh, nice even spread, or it suggests a nice even spread from the Spurs, which I think is what you're after in round one. And uh, some of those goal kickers, including uh, Morgan, uh, Jolly and Newman, uh, some of the AFLW recruits as well. So it's good signs for them that they're getting on the board. And also uh, Mifsud and, and Roden are amongst the names there. So, yeah, good good effort for the Spurs for, for Cranbourne. You just hope this isn't going to be a long season. I know they've got a, a couple of injuries. Hardeman's probably the most notable for them. But, jeez, uh, you, you just don't hope it's going to be a, a long slog because you thought maybe they might uh, take that next step and, and you hope that maybe round one just uh, getting blowing the dust off and getting rid of the cobwebs. Um, we, we hope that uh, they're a bit more competitive throughout the season. 
Okie dokie, let's have a look at the Geelong versus Box Hill game uh, in front of 2,000 people at Simmons Stadium. Uh, Geelong 9-4-58, impressing everyone with a big win over Box Hill who could only just get the two behinds. Yeah, we remarked over the course on the weekend on the coverage how great it was that Geelong was able to get everyone around and support the team going forward. A really good campaign from about two months out, I think it was, just to get people around and a great crowd figure there to witness it. Probably would have thought, considering these are essentially North Geelong and Knox that uh, that are playing, thought that probably would have been a little bit closer, considering I think Knox, uh, we broadcasted the game last year, Knox knocked off North Geelong. Um, so I would have hoped that they would have been a little bit closer on the scoreboard, but uh, Box Hill looks like they've got a lot of work to do. Just the two behinds, uh, a really disappointing performance for them and you just hope that they're not going to get smacked every week because uh, well, it's not going to be very interesting. And for Geelong uh, those better players, Ivy Teague, uh, Trevine, Lily Mithen, uh, Strawn and uh, Woollett, of course Woollett uh, another North Geelong player in there as well. Uh, they of course go play Seaford next week which we'll touch on shortly. Uh, another game that was played was on Sunday Seaford and Diamond Creek. It had the late start of 3pm uh, uh, and Diamond Creek running out winners 14-7-91 over Seaford, 3-4-22 uh, Chloe Malloy the uh, TAC Cup joint best and fairest, uh, won the best and fairest award for her call to cannons uh, and got BOG and kicked four goals in her debut VFLW game. Just a, just a small start to the season. Uh, no, nothing. Just nothing having a quiet one. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, nothing outstanding. Um, that's, that's really impressive, isn't it? Considering, I suppose, the the youth coming through at Diamond Creek was one of the question marks we had in 2016. It's good to see that uh, there, is, there is depth there, there is talent coming through, so that, that's a, a pleasing thing. And when you look back at the scoreboard for that match, I would have thought maybe it would have been closer. Similar to the Spurs-Cranburn game, I thought Seaford might have given the Creekers a bit more of a run for their money, but Diamond Creek really asserting their, their dominance early and rebounding after a poor 2016, welcoming back players uh, from long-term injuries and also some new recruits, Emma Grant joining the club. Um, just a good result for them and, and similar to the Muggers' confidence boosting to know that they can roll that out uh, pretty much from scratch. Um, I think they're going to be ones to watch in 2017. They're certainly going to be there or thereabouts. It's whether they can knock on the door for that second spot, I think, uh, will be the question to the Creekers in 2017. The game that we covered on the Sunday, Eastern Devils 5-10-40, defeated by St Kilda Sharks 6-5-41. What a rip-snorter this was. Uh, arm wrestle for the first half, and the Devils got... Uh, a late couple of goals towards the end of the second quarter to get a comfy little lead of 14 points at half time. Um, and then it was a real seesawing affair. Um, the St Kilda Sharks only really turned it on in that last term, about the last 10 minutes, and were able to get over the line by a point. But uh, again, another side that's missing a, a few. Stars obviously hopes that the major one, um, but there are a couple of other players that were missing from that that side as well. They did get the job done. Davy with two goals was was brilliant, and Tilly Lucas Rod was our best on ground yesterday. Even when 
they weren't playing their best. She was in the thick of everything. On the devil's side of things, one that they let get away. They should have won that. They should have uh, put their uh, put the foot down on the throttle and just run away with that game. Especially they had looking down here. I oh know it was only one point at three quarter time. Thought it was a bit more. Um, but uh, I just thought it was a game that they had an opportunity to, to grab it with both hands and run, and, and they just missed that opportunity. And they can't afford to do that when they're going to be in that group battling for those last two spots in the finals this year. And uh, it's interesting to note that uh, afterwards we went into the rooms where obviously both sides uh, were mingling post-game, and you could see the Devils players absolutely shattered. And I think more than anything, they were only a point up, as you said, at three-quarter time. But I thought at that stage we were feeling, okay, that was St Kilda's go with a breeze. We've got a two or three-goal breeze, final quarter on our home deck. We should be able to just roll over the top and have this done, and it didn't happen. And especially when we're expecting them to be probably the the improvers in terms of the the ones that made finals last year. You think they're they're right to take the next step. St Kilda, you've got a little bit of a question mark because they've got a few structural changes um, in their spine. Uh, but uh, again, it's just an opportunity that they let slip and you can't afford to do those when you're going to be in a fairly tight competition in 2017. And you've got to ask yourself, how many opportunities are they going to get in situations like that to prove themselves? Let's have a look at uh, round two in the VWFL. 1pm, Shell Road Reserve, Ocean Grove, Saturday. It's our match of the day. It is Geelong Cats hosting the Seaford Tigerettes. I'm surprised you haven't left yet, Pete, to uh, get yourself down there and set up. Um, Going to be an interesting game. You'd expect Seaford to get the job done, but uh, given Geelong's performance in round one, you'll hope that they'll run them close. Darabin and the Eastern Devils, both sides coming off a loss. Meet at Bill Laurie Oval, Saturday, 2pm. Almost sensing another opportunity here for the Devils. Darabin just don't look quite right and you think whilst they're still trying to fiddle things out and they've got players in and out of the side, this is an opportunity and the Devils, they missed it on Sunday, they've really got to take it this weekend and if they get done and get done comprehensively, then uh, I'm putting a, a question mark over the top of the Devils when I don't really want to. I think they're a really good side. Um, toss of the coin, I'm going to go with Darabin purely because I think they will rebound after what they would seem as a disappointing loss on the weekend. And as I always say, uh, beware an angry Darabin. Uh, and I think they'll be angry after that performance that they turned out last week. Did did the Devils cop them the last time they lost back in 2015? Uh, in no, that game? They, they copped them a week or two later. I think the Spurs copped Darabin next, and that's when the Spurs were back in St. Auburn at their lowliest. So uh, <laughs> that uh, yeah, I think that result was always going to happen uh, as it did back in 2015. But I think the Devils copped them a week or two later when it was that 100-point hiding uh, up at Wangaratta. Uh, Sunday, 3 p.m., Box Hill City Oval. The Box Hill Hawks are going to be hosting the VU Western Spurs. It's part of a doubleheader with the VFL men's game beforehand at 12 o'clock with the Hawks in Richmond. Yeah, nice, nice little day of footy out of Box Hill City Oval for anyone out in the area. But you would expect the VU Western Spurs to get the job done, uh, get a similar victory to, to what they got on the weekend and uh, just continue to build that confidence and momentum and, and continue that improvement that they've shown over the last 18 months.
Diamond Creek and Cranbourne, 2 p.m. Sunday. Plenty War Memorial Park. The first time the Creekers are back at home in about a year and a half since they had their ground redone. I was going to say, it's nice to see Plenty War Memorial Park back on the uh, fixture for 2017. And considering they're back on their their true home deck, you'd expect the Creekers to uh, wipe Cranbourne off the park and throw a big welcome home party. And finally, uh, 2 p.m. Sunday, our match of the day for Sunday, uh, Peanut Farm Reserve St Kilda. The St Kilda Sharks host Melbourne Uni, both sides coming off a win, and it will be their fundraise as well for the Susan Alberti Medical Research Fund. Yeah, looking forward to this uh, mouth-watering contest. The the Muggers, uh, they got rid of the Sharks last year in the final series. So St Kilda have the uh, the mental inspiration, if you like, to uh, or motivation, I sh- should say, to uh, come into this game. Melbourne Uni don't have a great track record from memory at the Peanut Farm Reserve. It's almost like a, a bit of a fortress there for, for the Sharks. Might be something to do with the weather conditions, but I'll overlook that. Um, I, I think the Sharks... No, actually, I'm going to go Melbourne Uni. I, I think they can overturn their, their poor run at the Peanut Farm and um, get the job done and, and start the year 2-0. Coxie, thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to your company in the commentary box this Sunday. And before I wrap things up, a quick reminder that Girls Play Footy Radio will be bringing you live via girlsplayfooty.com two matches this weekend as part of round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. Saturday, 12 p.m. for a 1 p.m. bounce. The Geelong Cats versus the Seaford Tigerettes at Shell Road Reserve in Ocean Grove. And then on the Sunday, we bring you from 1 p.m. for a 2 p.m. bounce, the St Kilda Sharks versus Melbourne University at Peanut Farm Reserve and St Kilda. Join us via Girls Play Footy com for live coverage of those two games. Until next time, I've been Peter Holden. You've been listening to Girls Play Footy. We look forward to your company again next week.